Go ahead and pick up your Bible, whether it's digital or paperback or leather-bound or however you do it. Go ahead and pick your Bible up and turn to the Gospel of Mark. We're in a series called Jesus Changes Everything, uh, where we're traveling through the stories of Mark's Gospel, uh, looking at how Jesus literally does change everything, leading up to uh, Easter weekend, where we look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And uh, as we make our way toward Easter, that helps us know how we should pray. As a church, uh, First Norfolk prays together, regardless location, uh, whether it's the Volvo location or our Hispanic or our uh, Haitian or our Vietnamese or our North African fellowship or our Russian family, we pray together. And we pray together at one o'clock for one minute for one thing. And so uh, I want to encourage you to join me and our church in praying specifically for this one thing, Easter weekend. Uh, Easter uh, is coming upon us in uh, five or six weeks. We'll be at Easter weekend, and it's a long weekend for us, beginning with Friday and then Saturday and then Sunday, and it's a great time of gathering together. But I, I want us to pray specifically for three things. First, Pray that God would use Easter this year to sharpen your focus as a follower of his, that the resurrection power that we celebrate at Easter, if you're a follower of Christ, that you would live in that resurrection power, that you would live in light of the resurrection of Jesus, uh, not in light of all the drama and trauma that surrounds us, and there is, and I'm not making light of that, I mean, that's challenging. Uh, life can be challenging. I look around this room and I see the people for whom I am praying uh, each week, and I know that you are going through it. Uh, but would you join me even now praying specifically that what God has done in raising Jesus from the dead would be appropriated to my life uh, in 2020, that we as followers of Jesus would live in resurrection power, that he would sharpen our faith uh, to uh, live by the power that he provides through faith in Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing. Pray that God would you uh, help me as your follower uh, to live in resurrection power. Second, pray for those who are not yet followers of Jesus. There are people uh, who uh, you work with, there are people in your neighborhood, there are family members and there are classmates who are not yet followers of Jesus, would you begin praying for them? Would you pray that God would use you and use Easter to communicate the good news of his rescuing love, that God sent Jesus to die for sinners in their place and for their sin, to erase the crimes of their guilt before a holy God, uh, that Jesus came to provide that forgiveness through his death on the cross. And through this wondrous transaction of grace, where his righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus, is transferred to uh, you and me who come to him in repentance and faith, that we receive his righteousness as he receives our, uh, the, the shame and the guilt of our sin. He took it to the cross and he died on the cross. And then what we celebrate at Resurrection Sunday and Easter weekend is this wondrous good news that if I come to Jesus by faith, and receive God's grace and repent my sin, 
then not only am I forgiven, but I now have victory and new life. Now, would you pray for those who are your neighbors and your family, your coworkers and classmates, that God would use you to invite them to gather with us that Easter weekend to hear the good news of God's rescuing love, that they who are far from God might find life through faith in Jesus Christ. Would you begin praying that God would use you and that God would open their hearts and their eyes and their ears uh, to receive this good news so that um, Easter weekend would be the day of transformation for them. So we first pray for us to live as followers of Christ in the transformation that Jesus has purchased for us. Second, we pray for those who are neighbors or family, co-workers or classmates, uh, that they would be transformed by God's grace, Resurrection Weekend. Uh, And then the third thing is, would you pray uh, that uh, Easter weekend would be a day Uh, uh, and a weekend of great celebration as we baptize those who are followers of Jesus Christ. Like this family was baptized earlier in our worship gathering, and as we celebrate the new life that they have through faith in Jesus Christ, Easter weekend is going to be that kind of weekend where we pray that scores and scores and uh, scores of individuals will follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Now, believer's baptism is a baptism where you, as a follower of Jesus, uh, determine to be obedient to him and are baptized. After you've made the commitment to be a follower of Jesus, uh, it's different than being baptized as an infant. It's a different sort altogether. Believer's baptism is when I commit my life to Christ, I am then obedient to God and am baptized. Just as Jesus was baptized in Matthew chapter 4, where he said, uh, I'm going to be baptized in order to fulfill all righteousness. It's an act of obedience. Many of you are here today and you're followers of Jesus, but you have yet to raise the flag of your faith, declaring your allegiance to God uh, through believer's baptism. And, and, uh, and I pray that Easter weekend would be that weekend for you uh, to be baptized as a believer. I don't think it's a small thing. I think it's a huge thing. And, uh, and there are going to be people who gather with us Easter weekend who will have an opportunity as a new believer in Christ uh, to be baptized. So will you pray for the transformation that we see uh, through obedience to believer's baptism? So the first thing, pray, oh God, might I live as a follower of, you, of Christ in the transformed life. Would you pray number two, Lord, help for those around me that you put in my path. Help for me to be an influence to them so that they might be transformed by your grace through faith in Christ. And then third, uh, may we celebrate the obedience uh, that uh, Believer's Baptism is as a church and see scores upon scores of individuals follow the Lord as uh, believers uh, and are baptized. All right, so you join me, one o'clock, one minute, one thing. That's the one thing, three, really three things, but one theme, Easter. Okay, Uh, well, in Mark chapter two, that's our text this morning. Mark chapter two, Jesus is making his way uh, to Jerusalem. Uh, He's just beginning his ministry. 
and he's uh, healing diseases, and he's helping those who are lame uh, walk, and, and he's casting out demons. Uh, he's healing people of their leprosy. He is doing a mighty work of great power uh, in uh, uh, Capernaum and Galilee and Nazareth. And now in Mark chapter 2, we see that Jesus goes back to Capernaum to continue his ministry. Now, here's what I want you to see about what Jesus was doing. Uh, in Mark chapter 1, 16 through 20, last week we saw that Jesus called four guys to be his followers. They were fishermen, and God called them away from the nets to follow him. They followed him, and then he began preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. He began telling people that their broken lives can be made whole uh, because Jesus is on the scene. That those who are lame can walk, yes. Those who are blind can see, yes. Those who are filled with leprosy can be healed, yes. Those who are uh, demon-possessed can be set free, yes. All of that is an, uh, a characteristic of the kingdom of God. All evil has been demolished, but Jesus really came preaching uh, that hope can be restored to those who are hopeless, that despair can be swallowed up in delight. He came preaching that because the Messiah, who is Jesus, had come, sin can be forgiven and lives can be made whole. And this is the message that he declared, and the message that he proclaimed 2,000 years ago there in Capernaum is the message that he proclaims today in your hearing through the Word of God, that yes, our sin has separated us from God, and apart from God, we have no hope. We are empty and lifeless and listless, and no matter what we might achieve in this life, we lack the satisfaction that God intended for us to experience. We are empty and yearning for more. We are hungry, and we cannot find bread to fill our stomachs. We are thirsting, and we cannot find water to satisfy or quench our thirst. We are broken, and we can find no physician to make us whole. This is who we are when we're separated from God. But the good news that Jesus came proclaiming, and the good news that I get to declare to you today, is that Jesus has made a way for us us to have intimate fellowship with the living God. Jesus is the personal pathway for every person to enter into a relationship with God so that we who are hungry can be satisfied and we who are thirsty can find a quench to our thirst so that we who are broken can be made whole because Jesus has provided what we need. That Jesus came and he died for sinners upon a cross. He was raised three days later from the dead to give us new life. This is the message of the kingdom. And it is the message that we celebrate every day that we live as followers of Jesus. But not everyone has that good news. And so Jesus comes preaching the good news of the kingdom. And he comes preaching it here today to you and to me. So that we might live in that good news. Ultimately what... Jesus proclaims is a message of hope for us today. In Mark chapter 2, we hear this message of hope and this, this picture of hope coming alive. Mark chapter 2, verse 1, and again, Jesus entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. 
Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. What is this word? It is the word of the gospel. It is the word of the good news. It is the word that sin has destroyed us, but Jesus has come to forgive us and make us whole. It is the word that we need desperately in our times today. It is the word desperately that we need in our hearts and in our church and in our homes and in our communities. We need to know that there is hope for the hopeless. There is life for the lifeless. There is forgiveness for sin, and it's found in Jesus Christ. This is the message that Jesus proclaimed, and this is the message that he proclaims today. Verse 3, and then they came to Jesus bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near to Jesus because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed upon which the paralytic was lying. Verse 5, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Some of the scribes were sitting Uh, There And they reasoned in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thusly within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Verse 9, which is easier to say? To say to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. Can I stop you there? Which is easier? Jesus didn't say, well, these are two very difficult things for me, and so I'm really kind of evaluating which one I'm going to do. Maybe I should do the easier rather than the harder. No, not at all. You know what he said? Okay, you can reason any way you want to reason, but which is easier? For me to say, you're healed, or for me to say, your sins are forgiven? There is absolutely zero, zero, zero difference between uh, those two things when it comes to Jesus, the King of glory. There is nothing, absolutely nothing that you face or that I encounter that is too difficult for the Son of God to forgive or to heal, to cleanse or to make whole. He can eradicate every point of our shame. He can, he can make every obstacle an opportunity. There is nothing too difficult for him it's all easy when it comes to Jesus because he is the king of glory which is easier to say verse 10 he says but so that you might know that the son of man has the power on earth to forgive sin he said to the paralytic I say to you arise take up your bed and go to your house verse 12 and immediately He arose, took up his bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this before. So we look at this passage. I want us to lean into verse 5 especially. Verse 5, Jesus sees four guys who are carrying a cot with a person who is paralyzed on it. The house is packed. There's no way to get the paralyzed man to Jesus in normal ways. Nobody would give room for the paralyzed man, the four men, to bring the paralyzed man to Jesus. And so in their innovation and in their desperation with a burden in their heart, they climbed to the top of the house. It's a flat roof. And they dug through the thatch and the mud, and they dug a hole in the roof, and they let the paralytic down before Jesus. And the Scripture says in verse 5, in that moment, Jesus looking at the paralytic and looking at 
the four men who were letting him down through the roof, he saw their faith, and their faith changed everything. Now, that's what I want us to see today, that, that faith changes everything. Not just any kind of faith, but it's faith in Jesus changes everything. Faith in Jesus changes everything. As we look at faith itself, everybody has faith in something. Everybody. Everybody, an atheist, has faith in something. Everybody believes in something. You're going to believe in your intellect. You're going to believe in your charm. You're going to believe in your finances. You're going to believe in your, uh, in your relationships or your many relationships or a singular relationship. You're going to put your faith in uh, your IRA or your DNA. You're going to put your faith in your uh, moral codes of conduct. You're going to put your faith in all kinds of different things, but there's only one faith that changes everything. You see, if I put my faith in myself, in my ability to solve mathematical equations as the secret to my success in life, I am going to be sorely disappointed because I can't solve mathematical equations, not easily. And there's always another mathematical equation. No matter how good I get at the ones I solve, there's always another that is too difficult for me. No matter how much I study mathematics, no matter how much I try, no matter how many uh, 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 algebraic this, that, or the other things, I don't even know what to call it, but whatever I do, no matter what I do, there's always some part of the equation that I'm missing. I'm insufficient. Faith is only as reliable as the object of our faith. Faith is only as strong as the object of our faith. Can I tell you, if you put your faith in me, you're putting your faith in a weak object. And the result is going to be something less than great. If you put your faith in yourself, okay, this is where I need to say it. Just because you believe in yourself doesn't mean that you're going to get great things in life because believing in yourself is believing in a failed weak, sometimes corrupt individual. I mean, you know yourself better than I know you. My wife knows me better than you know me, and she would be the first to tell you, oh, oh, if Eric believes in himself, make no mistake, it's going to end up badly. Faith is only as powerful as the object of the faith, and I'm not a good object, and neither are you. Oh, you might say, well, well we, we're, we're, I'm going to put my faith in my money, and we wouldn't say this out loud, but this is the way we're living. We're living as if what happens in the economy is the thing that's going to make us happy. When we put our faith in our money, make no mistake, there are governments built on this premise, and they still can't change everything for the better. You put your faith in in. in in your religious devotion. That's what the scribes and Pharisees were doing. They, they believed in their religious rigors. They believed in being extremely religious. Can I tell you, and this may sound counterintuitive because you're sitting in a church, but the goal here is not to become more religious. We're not asking you to put your faith in a religion. 
Why? Because, again, religion is devoted to, is, is, a, is a pursuit filled with failed and failing, weak and frail human beings. Faith is only as strong as the object of the faith to change things for the good. And that's why it's not just any faith that changes everything, but rather it is faith in Jesus that changes everything. It is faith in Jesus that changes everything. Not, not faith in my bank account, not faith in my religious devotion, not faith in my, in, in my own pursuits or my charm or my, my uh, hard work or my willpower. Those are good. Th- I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying you put your faith in those things, you're going to get a weak result. But if we put our faith in Jesus, we will work wonders. Faith in Jesus literally changes everything and works wonders in our lives and in our world. And that's what the message of this passage is about. He saw their faith, and everything changed. Now, what is faith anyway? I, and maybe we need to define it a little bit. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 defines faith in this way. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I read that, and maybe you read that like me. You're thinking, well, that doesn't really help with the definition. Because you've got to break that one apart. What does that really mean? Uh, in Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says it, uh, that, that it is only by faith that we can uh, please God. That it, only, only by faith. And so, again, it gets, begs the question, what is faith? In the Old Testament and New Testament, faith is simply where I entrust all that I am into the care of Jesus Christ. I entrust all that I am into the care. It's leaning back into the arms of Jesus. It is entrusting my daily decisions uh, into the care of Jesus. It's it's where I am, 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 am living my life trusting Jesus and the words that he says and the promises that he makes to direct my steps. I am living dependent fully and completely on Jesus for my emotional health, for my physical health, for my spiritual health, for my financial health, for my relational health. Everything depends upon Jesus. That's faith. That's the kind of faith that changes everything. It's not a faith in myself that changes everything. It's not my faith in others that changes everything. It's faith in Jesus Why? Because only Jesus is the Son of God who conquered death, hell, and the grave, who was raised the third day, who now is exalted at the right hand of the Father, who now makes intercession for you and me. Jesus is the object of our faith, and when he is the object of our faith, then we see wonders begin to happen. Faith is abandoning myself into the arms of Jesus. It's trusting him more than I trust myself. It's trusting him and what he says more than I trust what others might say. So when Jesus is in the house and he's preaching the word to them, verse 2, he was giving them a foundation upon which to trust him. And when he began to heal people, in chapter 1, he, he healed a leper and, and, and he healed a, a, a person who had coronavirus. 
Simon's mother-in-law, she had coronavirus. You read it. It's the end of chapter one. You can read it. Maybe they didn't call it that, but she was sick with a fever. It had to be coronavirus. And, and Jesus healed, uh, healed Simon's mother-in-law. And Jesus, Jesus said, I'm going to give you the kind of life that you've always wanted and that you that God always intended for you to have, but you've got to trust me. You've got to believe in me. You've got to follow me. You've got to uh, abandon everything else for me. That's faith. So as we look at faith, we need to understand it's not just some intellectual assent to a certain ideas. Faith, faith is not um, uh, just an event where I uh, say, well, yeah, I believe Jesus and never return to him again. That's not faith. Faith is an event. Faith is a lifestyle. Faith is a lifestyle of living in the grip of Jesus. Faith is a lifestyle of abandoning ourselves to him. You want to know how to do your relationships? Go to God's Word. Ask the Spirit of God to show you what Jesus says. Hear what Jesus says through His Word by His Spirit and then do it. That's faith. Faith is, I don't know what to do with my finances. I don't know how to make ends meet. And so you go to Jesus say, Jesus, I don't know how to make ends meet. How do I do that? And you go to his word, and, and, and then the, uh, the Spirit of God speaks to you through his word, and, and Jesus instructs you through his word by his Spirit, and then you do it. That's faith. Faith is an everyday exercise as followers of Jesus. It's not just a one-time event. It's a lifestyle. And it's that kind of faith that changes everything. It's that kind of faith that works wonders in our lives and in our relationships and in our homes. It's a faith where it, it's not just an emotion, although it includes our emotions, but faith is, is action. It's obedience. You've seen the scene a hundred times, right? And, and, and it goes like this. A dad uh, or a mom, but I'm a dad, so I, I, and I have four daughters. So a dad uh, takes his little toddler and puts his little toddler uh, on the bed. I have four daughters, so it's a little girl. So I, I take the little toddler, put the little toddler on the bed, and, and uh, Daddy, I don't want to go to bed. No, honey, you got to go to bed. Daddy, I don't want to go to bed. You got to go to bed. Down, Daddy, down, Daddy, down, Daddy, down, Daddy, down, Daddy, and, and down, down, down. And, and, and so in order to uh, kind of... Uh, 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 deflect or whatever you try to make a game of and say, okay, well, jump, you know, jump into my arms, jump. And, and, oh no, daddy, I'm not going to jump. Well, honey, yeah, jump. And, and daddy, I can't jump. Daddy, I'm scared. Daddy, I'm afraid. Oh, jump, girl, jump. It's going to be okay. Jump. I'll catch you. Daddy, I can't. I can't. And she's not thinking about getting down anymore. She just don't want to jump. But you say, jump, jump, jump. And every time you say jump, she begins to look at you. And, and, and you're saying, jump, I'll catch you. And you, she hears a promise. And then jump, I'll catch you. Jump now. I promise. And, and she looks into your eyes and she sees the strength in your arms and the surety of your hands and she begins to jump now when I say begins to jump because if you remember that first jump of that uh, that little girl is not it's not a ah, woo, it's not just a, a total release it's more of a you know uh, where she stretches out her hands and grabs your arms and 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 before she does that she she looks at it and she wants to believe you she wants to trust you but but she, she just can't yet. So she says, Daddy, Daddy, I'm scared. Will you come closer? And the minute your daughter asks the Daddy, 
come closer. That dad comes closer, and she gains confidence as you draw near to her, as she's asked you to draw near. And she stretches out her arms. She grabs you, and she releases in a hesitant fashion her legs, and she jumps. And you put her back on the bed, and you say, jump. And she doesn't need as much security because she can trust you. And she lets go, and she jumps in your arms. And, and you put her back on the bed, and, 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 and you say, jump. And she says, uh, well, scoot back a little bit. Jump. And, and she, she jumps. And, and, and now it's a journey. And it's not just that time. Pretty soon, you can put her to bed, and she will jump without even asking. I mean, I've had them jump at me, and I didn't even know they were jumping. And I had to be quick with my hands. But, but they trusted daddy to jump and when when their faith replaced their fear then their delight replaced their despair now that that's faith when when our faith in Jesus is awakened in us and we trust him to jump then fear is replaced by faith, and delight replaces our despair. And that's for everyday life, so that faith becomes the staff that gives us strength. Faith in Jesus is the courage we need. It's, it's not faith in Eric to navigate. It's not faith in, in, in somebody else's smarts. It's not faith in a banker. It's faith in Jesus. He can do it. By the way, he's the only one he can do it because he's the only one who left heaven's throne, fully God, became a man who lived without sin, blemish, or fault, and then out of love goes to the cross to take the punishment for Eric's sin upon himself who dies in my place for me is buried dead in the grave in the bowels of the earth for three days but then the stone is rolled away he's raised from the dead and he is victorious over sin over the devil over death over hell over life he is victorious over all he is the king he's the one we can depend on he's the one we can trust that's faith where we jump into his arms faith in jesus works wonders, and that's what comes alive in this passage. You see, faith in Jesus changes me. And we, we see this in the four friends. Uh, these four men somewhere had heard the message of Jesus and encountered him, and their lives had been changed and transformed. They had felt the forgiving love of God the Father sweep over their soul through Jesus Christ. They have been transformed. And many of you are here today and you've been transformed. You've been changed. And, and, and can I tell you, if you don't know if you've been changed by faith in Jesus, then chances are you are not a follower of Jesus. I don't mean that ugly. I just want you to understand what, what putting our faith in Jesus, it's not just believing certain facts. James chapter 2 says that the devil believes facts about Jesus. So it's not enough for us to believe facts about Jesus. Faith is something that changes us. Faith in Jesus is where he transforms us. He changes us from the inside out. See, I don't know about you, but, but faith that is alive and real, faith that changes everything, is, is a faith that awakened me. I was dead, but now I'm alive because of my faith in Jesus. I was blind, but now I see because of my faith in Jesus. 
I was lame, but now I can walk because of my faith in Jesus. I was dead in my sin, unforgiven and separated from God, but because of my faith in Jesus, now I'm made alive, brand new, whole, complete. Faith in Jesus isn't just going to church. It's not, it's not merely being able to recite certain facts. It is, I have been changed. Jesus, faith in Jesus changes everything about me. It's given me a new heart. It's given me a new mind. It's given me a new way of life and a new way for living. It's made me who God intended me to be. Although there's still some rough edges and he's working on them. Faith in Jesus changes me. More than that, faith in Jesus believes that how he changed me, he can change others. It's, it's that, that, that it's not just about me. Verse 5, he saw their faith. It wasn't just the faith of the four guys. It was also the faith of the paralytic. Those four guys, they believed that Jesus could change the paralytic, that, that the paralytic could be made whole, that his broken life could be made whole, that the, the life that God intended for him to have, he could have. It was as if, if you have a, a, a more than one child in your house, or you have cousins or whatever, and, and they learn this jumping game. And I have four daughters, and so the older daughters help coach the younger daughters as they grew, and, and, and especially when they're close in age. So my, my, uh, my older daughter would say, would get on the bed, and she would jump in my arms, and then the younger daughter, about a year uh, to uh, younger, that, that I would say jump, and they would say, oh, I can't jump, I'm scared. Uh, so, and then it wasn't just me saying jump. It was also older sister saying, oh, no, jump. It's fun. It's going to be great. Jump. Daddy will catch you. He, catch, he catches me every single time. Hadn't been a time he's dropped me yet. Hadn't been a time he's dropped me yet. He catches me every time. And they convinced that, my daughter to trust me and to jump. You know, that's what the four guys who were cock carriers, that, that's... That's what they did. They believed that just as Jesus had changed their lives, that Jesus could change the paralyzed man's life. And they believed that Jesus could change everything for him. I wonder what it is that keeps us from helping those who are far from God find life in Jesus Christ. See, for the four men, their faith was alive because a living faith moves to the feet. A living faith moves to the feet. It moves into action. James said, faith without works is dead. What's he saying? He's saying, well, if you've got faith, you're going to show it by what you're doing. And what did they do? We've got a faith. We've been changed by Jesus, so we're going to help somebody else. This, here's a paralytic. He can't get to Jesus. We need to help him get to Jesus. And they had a burden to get him to Jesus because they knew that the only way he was going to find help was in the presence of Jesus. You've got people that you work with every single day, and you hear them complain and moan and groan about their life. You might even commiserate with them. You hear them fuss about uh, their marriage or about their money. You hear them complain about their parents or their children. You hear them fuss about their job, how miserable their life is. And 
really in their fussing, what they're saying is, I don't have the life that I think I ought to have. Hey, that's a good clue that they need to get to Jesus. And if we really believe that faith in Jesus changes everything, then we'll do whatever we can to help that person, that coworker, that classmate, that neighbor, that family member. We're going to help them get to Jesus. The four guys tore a hole in a roof because they had such a burden for that friend to get to Jesus, to give him an opportunity to jump. So today, here's the question. See, the point of, this, of these 12 verses is that faith changes us so that we can help others be changed by that same faith in Jesus. We're going to do whatever we can to help somebody who is far from God find life in Christ because we really believe it can change them. We really believe it can make whole what is empty. The way faith works in my life this past week as I was getting ready for this message I, and, and other things that have been happening, I, I became convicted about one aspect of my life, uh, my daily habits. Now, I have a lot of daily habits, but uh, one of the daily habits I have is when I get to work, I, I, uh, I usually go over to our Crossroads building and I climb the six flights of stairs to my office on the sixth floor. And, I, and I, I come in with my backpack and my coffee mug, and I go to the stairwell, and I immediately climb up those six flights of stairs and, and go to my office. And there are two reasons I climb the stairs. One is because um, I really don't want to see anybody. Just being honest, it's early, and I haven't had a full cup of coffee, and I know that pastors should always want to talk to everybody, but I just, I, I just soon not. Um, that's the way I used to be, and it's not the way God intends me to be, but that's the way I was. So anyway, uh, so that's one reason. The other reason is exercise, and, and so I, I needed to climb those stairs for exercise. Have you seen the desserts that I eat? And so I climbed those stairs. And, uh, and so as I'm working uh, through, uh, really for the last several weeks, God really kind of, uh, well, he, he said, Eric, you need to change your behavior. I said, well, you know what? And, he, and, and again, it wasn't an audible voice. It was just the inkling of the Spirit, the, the nudge of the Spirit of God. He said, yeah, you need to start taking the elevator. I said, well, God, why do you want me to take the elevator? He said, because there are people in that elevator that need me. And, 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 you know, I'm like, but God, I need the exercise. And he said, he said yeah, you do, but you're not going to get it by going up the stairs anymore. And God just, God compelled me to start taking the elevator. The very first day I took the elevator, go in and uh, I hold the door for two guys, Juan and Mark, and they come into the door. And uh, they, I push, uh, or they, they push number three, and, and, I, and they say, which floor? I said, number six. And they say, oh, going all the way to the top. And I said, oh, yeah, going all the way to the top. And I laughed, and I smiled. I said, I said, but it's not always fun at the top, you know. And they said, oh, yeah, we know it's hard. I said, have you had a hard day? Yes, I've had a hard day. It's rough. It's a rough life. I said, really? I said, oh, I said, I said, you know, we all have rough days, don't we? Yeah, 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 yeah. I said, I said, well, can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah. Do you think, what, what do you think of when, uh, when, when you think of the life that God intended for you? 
What does that look like to you? What, what kind of life does that look like, the life that God intended for you? And they said, weirdo. They said, strange man, stranger danger. They really didn't say any of that. They looked at me. They thought it, but they didn't say it out loud. They, they thought, they thought, uh, you know, what's he talking about? I said, would you ever have spiritual thoughts like that? Said, yeah, yeah. I said, would you, when you think of the kind of life God intends for you, do you think you've got it? They said, oh, no. Oh, no. By this time, third floor, right? And they thought, because he's going to six. Door opens, I get out with them, right? It's awesome. I said, I said, you know, I, and we began to talk and, and, and got to know a little bit about them. They got to know, they, you know, finally the question, who are you? You know, that question, oh, I'm, I'm a pastor. Oh, oh. And so, so then I said, can, can I just, and, and they didn't, they didn't, pray to receive Christ, but I just wanted to get them to the foot of Jesus. I, I wanted to give them the courage to jump. And I said, can I just leave you with a thought? And they said, because they were like, oh, we got to get to work, right? And I said, can I just leave you with a thought? Sure. I said, I said, the message that God wants to share with you is that he sent Jesus to do all that you need in order to give you the life that God intended for you to have. And Jesus has done everything that you need to have a life that is whole, a life that is full, a life that is satisfying. Don't you want that kind of life? Yes, now they call me priest or pastor or father or whatever. Now it's you know, Baptist. They call me father, and I said, no, 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 I'm a Baptist. They said, okay, father. And I said, I said, God really wants you to have this kind of, God, God's not, not an angry dad trying to withhold blessing. God is a loving father and he wants you to have this life that you can't have. And the reason you can't have it is because of your sin. So he sends Jesus to do everything that you need to have the life that you want and that he intends for you to have. Don't you want that life? Yeah, but we got to get to work. And, and that was the end of the conversation, but I'm going to look out, look out for them on the elevator. I'm also going to be looking out for them on the stairwell because I think they're going to start taking the stairs now. <laughs> Friends, when we believe that Jesus changes everything, if, if he, faith in Jesus really has changed my life, then we need to do all that we can to help others who are far from God have their lives changed by Jesus too. So I want to challenge you, and this is how we'll close. I just want to challenge you to think of the one person, that one person in your life, whether he's a classmate or a coworker, whether he's um, a fishing buddy or uh, a bunco partner, whoever that person is, family member, friend, or neighbor, will you exercise your faith in Jesus? And go to them and invite them to have their lives changed by the only one who can change it. Will you join me this week by being a stretcher bearer?
of those who are broken by sin and who need to be made whole by Jesus Christ. Lord God, as we leave today, I pray that you would leave, uh, lead us out on mission for you and be glorified as we go. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.